Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usebookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 30, 10, 10, and JB, give me 10 jumping jacks, whatever, push-ups. Uh, the Resellers Mindset Podcast, today's episode is going to be another one where we answer your questions, right? So about once a month, maybe a little bit longer, maybe every six episodes, we post a link on the YouTube channel and we address every single question we get from that poll. So Johnny B, he has no idea what any of the questions are. I posted this uh, poll about 10 days ago, so I actually have no idea what they are either. We were going to do it last week, but we had Max on, so got pushed back a week, but here we are today. Lots and lots of questions. Remember, Johnny B is the eBay guy. I'm the Amazon guy. Two different worlds, two different perspectives. Look at his background. Look at mine, right? This is not really my warehouse, but, uh, you know, it, it's one day it will be. One day. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want, I don't want the, the warehouse life. So we're going to hop right on into this because we have quite a few. So first up, we actually have this from a previous guest on the podcast. Ooh. Caleb, Antique Book Collective says, oh. what do y'all think about wood or damaged books? I still sell them. They might not be worth as much, but with older books, they can still be valuable for my niche. Don't know about newer books. You want to, I'll let you go first. Uh, yeah, I sell water damaged books as well. Uh, I account for that. They go to my bottom price bucket essentially instantly. Um, but even unless it's like really, really rare, and then maybe I'll go like half of what the high market is. So if they got it for 75, I'll go, I'll go half of that. So like $34, $34.99 or something like that. Because it's the lowest priced of that item. And because it's so severely damaged, I'll even take an offer low, way lower than that because it is severely damaged. Like it, it can be lightly water damaged or it can be heavily water damaged, but still I usually go about half of the value or the bottom of my pricing bucket when I encounter these. Uh, lately though, uh, as I've been growing, because as you're starting, you just want to list what you bought because you bought it, right? Um, but sometimes I just jump that stuff unless I... I can tell there's probably some money here. Let me price comp it real fast. Otherwise, I've been junking them lately. But in antique world, he's probably right. Because those things are always, there's always something wrong with it. And just the fact that it's water damaged, okay, that's just another thing that's wrong with it. So in ant antique, antiquarian stuff, I can definitely see still selling that. But when paperbacks, it's got to be rare or scarce. Otherwise, it's going in the, well, I'm sorry, book lovers, the trash bucket. I'll, I'll give a eBay example from my own experiences. I uh, I got a Easton Press and it was like water damage, but mm -hmm. like you were saying, if it's if it's there's a demand for it, and if you know if you already have it, I think I paid a quarter for it. Um, yeah. you're still gonna make money on it, but there is a fine line. And when it comes to Amazon, in my mind, when I first started, if it was like a pretty beat up book, uh, but it was worth decent money and maybe you know water damage, I'll admit I sent it in as good <laughs> with with my condition note, right? Um. <laughs> Maybe acceptable, but I can sit here and say I don't have any negative feedback on my Amazon account. So uh, I, I I don't do it today, like you're saying, right? As you grow and you learn, you kind of 
just avoid it, right? Because you, you know, there's media everywhere. So even if it's, you know, it's a $50 book and it's, you know, maybe the dog peed on it, uh, you're just going to leave it behind. It's just, you know, somewhere else there's going to be another $50 book and you're not going to have to worry about the headaches of it getting returned. And you just learn to kind of avoid the headaches. I think that's the thing as you start to scale, you want to decrease your headaches and just, you know, increase your revenue and buying beat up stuff like that. There are times and places where it makes sense to do it. But as you continue to grow, you'll know, hey, it's whatever you leave it behind. It's kind of like, you know, when you're buying disc and the disc is all scratched up and you don't have a cleaner, you just leave it behind and move on to the next one. So uh, it, there, there's a judgment call when it comes to, I don't think it's a fully no, and I don't think it's a fully yes when it comes to water damage books. It's a judgment call with you learn with experience whether or not you're going to waste your time listing it. Yeah. And with experience, I would never, ever hide the condition fact in there. I wouldn't sell it as just an acceptable book and just leave the water damage portion out. I just flat out let them know. Um, because as long as you do that, even if they get it and didn't read the description like they should have, you're covered by eBay standards. Uh, same for Amazon. If you got it in there, I'm not sure how much Amazon's got your back opposed to eBay when you've notated everything, but eBay's got my back when I do that. I mean, Amazon, FBA, they'll, they'll strike out, you know, any any comment no matter what it is if it's fba um if it's merchant fulfilled i 100 would not sell anything wood or damage because those reviews are you know next to impossible to get rid of but the fba ones they don't care they can say anything and i'll be like nope this is this is against the policy and it's kind of frustrating because uh, a lot of sellers out there take advantage of that system maybe yeah. you know that's maybe that review is actually correct you know maybe the book is totally wood or damage but you can still get it struck out if it's fba but don't do that. Stop. We're going down the rabbit hole here, ripping people. Honesty off. is the best policy. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Moving on here. We have uh, two questions from the same person here. We have Sheila. She I is do. a member of the channel recently. So she has two. These are eBay questions, which is great, which means I can kind of just kick back and relax here. So the first one is how long after listing an item do you wait to lower the price if it's not selling? It's not. Okay. Now, this is a great question. Um, I'll tell you what I do. Ooh, money. I'll tell you what I do. Um, so I use pricing buckets and about every my store is built up and now. So this take this with a grain of salt. In your smaller store, you use different math numbers, but here are my math numbers. So every month I reprice 1,500 items plus the last time I've gotten to that. I list more than that. I list about 2,000 books a month. So it's less than what I've listed. So 30 days go by from when it's listed. So let's say I've done 3,000. Okay, I'm going to now do another 1,500, 4,500 onto that. So 1,000 items through 4,500 items, I'm going to price down to the next pricing bucket till it reaches my bottom. Now let's use a smaller store. Let's say you got 100 items. You're new at eBay. Yay. So you've done 100 items. It's been 30 days. I might do a third of that. I reprice it a third down um 45 days you could wait as well give it 45 days or 90 days because books to me i think are a lot longer tail items than let's say clothing um because everybody's got a reading list i'm not sure a lot of people have a to be born list for clothing example sake so you may want to wait a longer period of time i think anywhere between 30 and 90 days before you start repricing in books is a good range um if it's a rare older book you're that kind of seller you might even go longer you may want to go 120 days 
but for just run of the mill, it's less than a hundred years old. I would use somewhere between 30 and 90. Now what your numbers are, that's up to you. I don't know your store that could, we could be here all day talking about that, but my, my addition to this question is, uh, for, you know, somebody like myself. So can I go into my inventory and sort of by how old it is? Um, kind of. Yes, yes, you can. Um, there's a couple ways to do that. I usually do it with my promotional, my marketing promotion tool, the markdown thing is how I do it. Because you can set how old it's been on there, and there's a way to do it on uh the surface value itself. But how my I have it by SKU numbers, so I don't even need to mess with that anymore. But if you're doing the date based model, you can sort by date. Um, even if if you even if you just put like the month of May in there, right? You can you can pull up all the Mays and okay, it hasn't been third. It's not June yet, so I'm not going to reprice these items. But when June comes along, you can go back into your skew column of May and reprice all of May. I don't uh, I don't have like an official way of doing it. I just one one day I'll be in the storage unit and I'll be like, this book has been sitting here forever, and then I just go through and reprice all my stuff and just drop everything. You know, dollar, two dollars, three dollars. Do you think it's beneficial to? run a sale on those items or just permanently decrease the price? Both. Um, I would decrease the price and use your markdown sale for your 500 oldest items. Now, if you don't have more than 500 oldest items, maybe you just run a markdown sale and you don't have to reduce the price. You could just use the percentage or flat dollar amount off. But once you get over 500 items active, I would, I would use both. Just reprice and if it you know, your markdown sell doesn't catch it. Well, when you sell off something that 500 block and that sale ends, your new stuff can go into that. And you can run multiple markdown sales too. But unlike Amazon, it doesn't have to be a race to the bottom. I it in my experience, everything will sell. It's just when it will sell. The reason I lower my price is for my STR or your sell-through rate. Because I want to turn over my inventory as quickly as I can. So the more proactive I am with that, the more it helps the STR, in my opinion. All right. Her next question is going to be a fun one for us to address here. Oh, fun. I've seen sellers list a generic single phrase description and others with more extensive details. <laughs> Listing is already my least favorite part, me too. And I'm wondering if I'm spending too much effort on a description or if it's worth it. How descriptive do you get? With each listing, I'm talking about the item description text box, not the drop down item specifics. Yeah. In what way, if any, does it affect the algorithm or search? Now, this is a fully loaded, you know, this is like secret sauce kind of eBay stuff here. And JB is yeah. going to give you the correct answer. And then I'll give you my wrong answer of how I do it. Sure. Um, I do the longer detailed description. There are faster ways to do the longer detail description. You can go to Goodreads. You can to, to search out the book. Um, I also think that's great for coming up with the topics and genre, especially if you're not familiar with the book. So Goodreads is a great tool for that. Um, I don't think you could spend too much time doing it unless it's like taking you 10 or 15 minutes of listing. Um, then you're probably a slow typer. And that's okay. You don't have to be a fast typer. Um so you can use copy and paste from Goodreads. That's helpful. You can use Amazon. Sometimes Amazon has book descriptions when Goodreads does not, which funnily enough, Amazon does own Goodreads. 
Um, there's other book sites you can go to get book descriptions. Now, the reason I'm saying do the longer descriptions is you got to set yourself apart from the other booksellers that are selling your same book. And that's how I do mine. That's my separator. That's why my listings are slightly better than any other person's on eBay for the majority, along with proper title structure and the item specifics. Now, don't get me wrong. No one likes listings. I don't even like listings. I do 50 plus of them a day, close to 60. It sucks. It always will suck. But if you embrace the suck, it sucks less and just get through it. Now, if you have the habit of like listing three, walking away, coming back, listing three more, don't do that. You Again, you got to embrace the suck, bite your tongue and just do it all the way through. Now, if it's five o'clock and you need to have dinner made by six, I think breaking it up throughout the day makes it take 14 times as long. So it's start to finish. Just get it done. Just get it done. It's like taking out your garbage. So your garbage man takes your garbage away. It's the same thing. It sucks, but you got to do it. I I agree. I don't, I mean, if I had to just actually list an item from nothing every single day for eBay for me, for my one listing, that'd be it. I'd be done. I won't even bother. Right. I, I get all my drafts done in one day. I'm like, all right, Deb, I'm going to the storage unit. My life sucks. I'm going to be doing eBay listings. She's like, yeah, you poor soul, you know, whatever. But I will say that I am the opposite of, you know, Johnny. And it really depends what your business is, right? You know, he's mainly focused on eBay. I'm on Amazon. So eBay is just kind of secondary. I don't need the income or anything like that. So I kind of, I kind of just, you know, half butt them, right? I, I put in my description, you know, and I always, I list through my phone. So I hit sell similar. One thing I do do is I double check all of the item specifics because a lot of eBay sellers don't do that. And you could, it could be a book. Uh, it could be any book, you know, by somebody and the author, they, somebody could put Stephen King in there and it's not a Stephen King book. So I do check the specifics, but my description just says, uh, what, like what kind of condition the book's in, if there's any like defects, any markings, and then see photo for detail. So my, my descriptions are a paragraph long, uh, nothing extensive, but I just think it's what you want to get out of your business. If you, if you're mainly an eBay seller, then Johnny's approach is the right way. If you're mainly an Amazon seller and you, you want to have eBay, but you don't want it to be a huge, you know, time sink, then do it the way I do it, but just expect to get less results in comparison to somebody like Johnny. And if you're fine with that, like I am, then there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. Right. It's just, like I said, it all sells. It's just how fast you want to sell. The more effort you put in, the faster it will sell. The least amount of effort you put in, the slower it will sell. That's just so, what you're really going with here. The more fire emojis you put in the title, the quicker it'll sell. Every Don't fire sell. emoji decreases. That's you know, bad sell. advice. That's the worst <laughs> advice you can give it. Stop it, Mike. Stop it right now. <laughs> but no I've sold things with fire emojis, dude. I told you it all sells, but you're at the bottom of the list, my man. You're the <laughs> bottom of the list with fire emojis. What if somebody uh, uses fire emojis in their eBay search? <laughs> they got problems. Yeah. All right. Uh, but on a serious note, eBay does not like special characters like emojis, um, dashes and commas and parentheses. Now, you'll see this in abundance on eBay, but it's like I said, eBay doesn't like it, so it kind of moves you down on the page ranking. But it's still there. Oh man, we got a good one coming up here from uh, Miss Lachey. She is also a YouTuber. Check her, check out her channel. She's out there flipping books. She's she's like big into book sets on eBay, and like that is like the bane of my existence. And like anytime I, I see her lots. selling a book set, I'm like, oh my god. And she's just like, yeah, they sell for it. Like she'll post like, yeah, I sold I sold this book set. I'm like, I would never in a million years even touch that thing. Oh, she's doing sets. She's not doing lots. 
Uh, I think she does both. So Just like, both. I've seen her sell like that. Uh, that Tom Leahy set, like the the religious book set, where there's like four. She she's just sells sets. I don't know what it is. It works for her. And yeah, she gets sets and lots move quicker. But in my opinion, the listings take way longer. Now, if you're not doing that many listings, that may be okay. And that would be pretty cool, just to have an all book set kind of eBay store. All you do is book sets. Yeah, it's down to book sets. That's cool. I mean, if you walk into a store and the full sets there, I mean, then yeah, yeah. buy it, right? I, that's happened to me a few times, but yeah, she's she's heavy into selling sets. I see them all the time. But she says, if you could implement one thing from the other's business model, what would it be? Oof, this is a loaded question. I'm I'm gonna go first. You go first. I, you gotta go first. I know I know what mine is. Okay. Uh, I would I would I actually wouldn't mind having an eBay store like Johnny's. Um, so I would implement basically his whole business model on the eBay front, right? Uh, find find an employee or two that is actually good and train them the correct correct way from the beginning. And it, it kind of gives you the ability, right? His long-term goal is kind of stepping back from his business. Sure, he's still going to be, you know, the overseer of everything, but he wants to grow it to a point where, hey, maybe he has a warehouse manager that manages his listers, and then he can kind of step back and maybe focus on something else. So I do think that is kind of the biggest thing for me that I would steal from him is basically being Johnny B 2.0. And the benefit of like, kind of social media and YouTube is like you have the connections, right? You can reach out to anybody and say, if you like what they're doing, right? I can say, Hey, Johnny B walk me through every single thing you do. And I'll be like, all right, here's exactly how I do it from day one with a new employee to where we're at today. My 10 year plan, my five year plan. And that's kind of like uh, what I like is the idea of stepping back, right? The used book guys always got to go out and get the books and uh, list them and source them. So I think the employee route that he has going on and his, you know, 10 year, 15 year plan is my, my jealousy of his lifestyle. Oh, all shocks, Mike. Uh, for me, what I would steal from Mike here, um, I think he sources, sources a bit smarter than me. I source a bit faster just to get it here and process it. But if I could actually take my time with it, I think I would have less work on my hands to do in all technical stuff but i decided i just want to buy it process it list it and be done with it kind of like a factory i don't really care what's really inside them i care a little bit but i should care more than i do and i think i i, I think i'm gonna be doing that a bit more in the short-term future here because it's something i've been given a lot of thought like i'm just bringing in junk like readers digest and it goes in the junk pile i want less of a junk pile i want more good better items coming to through me and my bulk pickups than i've been doing because i i think that would be to my benefit i think mike does that very well he'll go out and don't get me wrong he does do bulk buys too but he's a little bit smarter about it than i think i am uh to be fair um and a little bit more detail oriented on that side of the business and i wish i was more like that and i think i'm gonna start trying to i may not be at the start but i think i can grow into it See, like, I, I thought about this, like, you know, we're trying to move, right? And we buy a house in the middle of nowhere. Like, I am going to have to adapt more of your business because everything I bring in, I don't have the same outlets, right? Maybe I move an hour and a half away from where I'm at. So maybe all my duds no longer go to Second and Charles. Maybe that stuff, I take the time out to list on eBay because I have, I'll have this space, right? I'm not in a little apartment here. I can have shelving set up. So all my duds in, in essence become things I can list on eBay and make a few dollars on. Um, and I think that would make sense. So I, that's where, that's where my mindset is like moving forward. Like when we move and we're out in the middle of nowhere and I don't have anywhere to get rid of my duds, my duds will just get listed on eBay. And when they sell, I make three bucks per dud, which is fine by me. And I throw it on the shelf in a room. It's that easy. 
Right. And and that works. It does. Uh, Cause I do it now. Um, but I'm going to try to start. I think I'm going to start trying to find more higher end things. I'm going to take, take the Amazon approach to it and start trying to list those, but they're still going to be in my vintage area. But I had to figure out how way to do it in bulk. And I don't know how to do that yet. And so I got to work on my sources themselves. So that's what I'm probably going to spend my summer doing is finding different sources that have higher gold tier, silver tier kind of items versus then it's a mixed bag and there's a little bit of silver, a little bit of gold, but there's a hell of a lot of bronze. I want less bronze. I want more silver and gold items. But I know how to sell the bronze items. I know because I do it every day and I don't mind if I get them, but I want to expand my sources, um, have more of them and better ones so i can control the volume and output um but that we're getting off topic we got more questions to go through I, that was a good question you got me on a tangent uh all right next up we got sigil we got Ooh, uh, sigil from the group here he uh i'm glad he kind of dove in and he it was like it was weird right because he he makes his own music and he found that you know fourteen thousand cd storage unit by like it was almost like the stars aligned for him right they're like hey you're going to start selling on Amazon. You're, you're in the music. Well, here you go. Here's your golden ticket, right? Uh, he asked, in what circumstances is it best to separate your items into two different eBay stores? In my scenario, I'm selling cherry-picked everything category items and want to also add on selling high-volume media. Will it hinder the success selling them in the same eBay store? This is all you. I would only have multiple eBay stores I'm going to answer this specifically for Sigil because I know what he builds in. It, I would have a disc-only store, and then I would have everything else that you sell on eBay store. And the reason I say that is you can never get top-rated seller if you have a disc-only store because you can't do the tracking method with that, the tracking number method, um, and you'll lose that 10%, which you get with top-rated. So that's the only reason I would split your into two stores. Otherwise, have everything in one store. Um, and extrapolating that if there's something that's preventing you from getting more money on eBay that would be another reason to have another store um, the one I specifically mentioned is for disc only and then everything else store there's probably some others but I don't know too much on that I know disc only because I know a few fellows that do disc only and that's what they have to do they have everything that they primarily sell on one and they have their disc only and that's literally the only thing on there is disc only so that would be my reason for only ever having two eBay stores, to be honest. Yeah, and if you have any questions, uh, reach out to Mike Mike E, not Mike the Used Book Guy. Mike E in the group, he uh, created another eBay store specifically for that. So it's pretty easy to do. You just got to call, have a conversation with eBay, tell them exactly what you're doing, and then you'll be good from there. And then you just kind of you know keep keep the two separate so you you don't you don't wind up losing top rated on all your other stuff. Right. All right, moving right along here. We have Dragon Man 012345. Dragon Man. When doing bulk buys, do you send in fast movers to Amazon FBA you normally wouldn't? For instance, you have an item with a low rank and a 180 plus e-score, but you only make $3 on it. Are you going to send it in or just take it to a store like Second and Charles? All right. Well, now this one, I guess, is That's mainly you, for man. me, right? Uh, I understand the appeal of the $3 profit book. You already bought it, right? Kind of like Johnny B says, you already have the item, so you're going to list it, right? But with Amazon, it's a different beast. Um, the fees now, the removal fees, they're higher than they have ever been. 
along with storage fees. And I understand, hey, it's $3. But if you were to, you know, say something happens, the it gets ordered, customer damages it, sends it back, it has to get removed. Um, you're going to wind up spending two bucks to get it sent back to you. Um, depending on how heavy it is, right? If it's a heavy book, you're going to spend more than two bucks. If it's a textbook, it'll probably cost you $5 to have that book sent back to you. You can liquidate it, sure, for a little bit less. But I, I personally, I'm going to pass on that every single time, right? So I do recommend having a bulk trigger set and like your, your scan and trigger set, like your source and trigger set. Now, you can have the profit lower on the bulk one in comparison, but you don't want to have it low to the point where you're sending in a $3 book, right? Because you also have to value your time. It takes time. You got to you list the book. You got to sticker the book. You got to pack the book. You got to take the book to the store. And we kind of get caught up with not valuing our time as resellers. So say, for example, you had a box of, you know, 150 CDs and they're all $250, $3 profit. That's going to take you, you know, probably two hours to get all that listed, prepped, clean. Um, and even with the books, it takes a little bit, right? Maybe a book's got something on it. You got to clean it up. With a, I use the alcohol prep pads for like my clean cleaning supplies. Um, they work pretty good, just the single use ones. So this past week, I had a few I had to clean up. You have to value your time. I know you already paid for it. If you have an outlet like Second and Charles, 100% use it. And I also would argue with a fast moving book like that, uh, sell back your book will probably give you $2 for it. And that's a guaranteed $2 they're going to give you. You're not going to have any extra fees or hidden fees. So you, you would be better off just sending it to a buyback company versus sending in a $3 profit book. In my experience, because when you scan it, right, it says $3 when you scan it. By the time it gets there, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks later, the price probably has gone down because it's a very popular book. That $3 turns into $1, customer buys it, returns it, gets sent back. You now literally wasted your time and you're paying Amazon, you know, $1.50 just to get that book back to you. So that's my take on it. I know it's enticing because, hey, it's a fast seller and it's only, you know, I already bought the item. I want to send it in. I would just say pivot to a, a buyback company instead. Johnny B, any quick comment on this one? I agree. That's my so, quick comment. That, that's all that matters. All right. Moving along. This is, here goes, you got another good question here from Josh. Josh Graff, he also has a YouTube channel. He sells all kinds of Anything and everything, if you just look at his what sold videos, he like lays everything out on the table and it's just dude sells anything. It's, it's crazy to me, but he does have a lot of bulk sources. So he's got a sourcing down where he's only out two days a week, loads up his trailer, comes back. He says, How important is cash flow and what are some things you do to help improve it? I'm going to let you go. That's probably the most important thing. Um, to be honest, you got to have money coming in all the time. If you don't have money coming in and you're waiting for the longer dollar later, now there's some items to do that with, but if it's everything you list is longer dollar later, you can't survive. That's going out of business style. Um, you got to have money coming in, uh, even if you're a truck and trailer guy, but you, the gas money, um, your time, you got to, how much is your time worth? But if you're only selling one $100 item a month, that's not worth it. I'd rather sell... 10 ten dollar items a day than one one hundred dollar item a month that's kind of that thing um cash flow just keeps the the gears turning it enables you to make expansions in your business like everybody has goals in their business it's hard to obtain them on slower incoming money and it it's really hard for sellers to grasp that because they feel like they're cheating themselves oh if I only hold out for forty dollars because it says it's worth forty dollars 
you got to let that go. You can't be married to your your items and or your prices too much within reason. You can't sell it for negative dollars either. So you got to know your numbers in order to do that to accept an offer kind of deal. Also, guys, we pay so, so little for this stuff. You got to remember that too. So when a lower offer comes in, don't be insulted. Don't get mad at it. Consider it. Know your numbers. And if it's, okay, this is in my acceptable bottom margin, I'm going to take the money and run. Because I can then buy 10 more of these things. You got to you gotta think like that versus this is worth $40. I'm not letting it go for any less than 40 Dude, you paid 50 cents for it. Let it go. Let it go. There's a song about this. And I hope <laughs> it's burning in your brain right now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take over this one here. So cash flow, like he said, it's the most important thing with media because as you know, if you think about it, right, I would say you probably need at least 2000 items in the Amazon inventory for it to start making you see some serious kind of money, right? Unless you have super good books, maybe you're just sourcing textbooks, whatever. But for the rest of us that are sending and running the mill stuff, 2000 items, think about your buy cost, what's your average buy cost, $1.50, that puts you at $3,000 sitting in inventory at any single moment that always has to be sitting there. So the importance of just turning that inventory over the biggest headache that I used to deal with was, why do you reprice at the lowest FBA price, Mike? Why aren't you doing the buy box? Well, I want to sell my stuff. I'm not in the business of storing it at my warehouse behind me here, and neither is Amazon. Why do you think Amazon has changed in the past year the way they have? Because they don't want to store your stuff, and you shouldn't want to store yourself either. You should want to sell everything as fast as you can. That's the importance of having that low buy cost because- if I pay 15 cents for a book and I make two bucks, I mean, the ROI on that is still, you know, a thou over a thousand percent, right? I mean, I Go know buy it, four more books and do it, it again. It sounds like peanuts, but when you think about it, if you're doing media, it's all about quantity. Um, unless you're unless you're buying, you know, doing some eBay to Amazon flips or you buying textbooks off college kids, it's all about quantity. You just want to keep selling, keep keep taking those three dollars, five dollar bills. And keep turning that into more books, more inventory. And that's how that's how you get results in this. But it is cash flow. Nobody really talks about it. And I try to talk about it every once in a while. It's intensive when you start a media business because it takes a while for things to sell. And it'll sit there and it sucks to give $2 today and get $10 back in two months. But in reality, sometimes that's just how it is, right? It's just, just the way it works with me. It doesn't sell every day. And you're not selling every single book multiple times every single day. Right. As we mentioned earlier, books are just a longer tail item, but you eat a lot of it and that's okay because you got longer tails selling every day at some point. All right. Next up, we have Nate Davis, 4444444444, another member of the channel says, Mike, do you do any eBay to Amazon media flips? JB, any Amazon to eBay flips? If you guys don't, how come? Um, I'll let you go first. It's something I've been thinking about, and I actually looked at Amazon the other day trying to see if there were some deals to be had there, and there were. Um, I, didn't, I didn't pull the trigger on it because I'm trying to figure out there's got to be a better way to do it. So I'm in exploratory mode on that, but it's definitely doable. I found a couple of things that you could do, and I based that off what I sold in my eBay store. So I was just looking at things I previously sold and see what they're going for on Amazon. I have uh, another previous guest on the show, Joji. Um, me and him are trying to work out where he's going to kind of show me how to do the flips, right? The eBay to Amazon, Amazon to Amazon flips. And myself, along with JB, um, it's one of those things, right, where it's better for me to just focus on what I'm doing that works right now instead of trying to develop a whole new, basically, 
uh, business trait, business skill, because it is a skill. You can't just flip on a switch and it happens, right? Um, so I am working in the backgrounds and hopefully, you know, Joji has, can show me, and he knows I, I'm not good with anything, but you know, I said it again earlier, there's people out there that can do this efficiently. And the fact that, hey, we know Joji, we have a relationship with Joji. All we got to do is say, yo, Joji, hop on the call with us. Me and Johnny want to go down this rabbit hole and it's taken care of, but it is on both of our minds, but we try to stay focused on what's working for us currently and getting us results. And that's our business models that we have. So we are interested. Both of us are interested, but it's, you know, how can we time fit this into our already biz business? Yeah, that's schedules? the thing. It's like getting the time to sit down and grind through it. But we know people these days to help us. So we should, well, I should reach out more than I do. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have uh, Stu Tran says, what day and time will this podcast be on? I don't want to miss it. <laughs> every Wednesday, great question. every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, the podcast is uploaded to all podcast platforms and on YouTube. That, that's a great question, Stu Tran. Oh, that, that's I the best it. question. I don't know if we've ever mentioned when we actually air. All right. Next up, we have... Yeah. I think you're right. I don't think we ever have mentioned what day and time. It's every week, too. Every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're slackers. I mean, listen, we're just here to help people. We're, we're not professionals. Here to... We've only done 30 of these. You know, we're not trying to get famous. Sorry. I don't want to be noticed while I'm out, you know, at Burger King eating my food, right? I don't want to sign autographs and pictures. I just want to help people make some money. Exactly. That's why I don't have a Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All go. right. Next up, we have the Cool R. Please explain how you price Merchant Fulfilled Books. <laughs> and then they put again is it always the lowest merchant fulfilled price do you ever go with the featured price or is that just fba and then in uh comma parentheses fba is so much easier yeah fba is easier um for sure we all agree that that's the easiest way but the problem is can you find enough fba items selling media to make it worth your while so merchant fulfilled always goes off the lowest price the featured offer price is the buy box um that's the new wording they have for it I kind of implemented that over the past year. I guess buy box doesn't sound exciting enough for them. Or maybe like, I don't know, featured offer, I guess, just sounds more sophisticated. But with Merchant Fulfilled, featured offered buy box is always usually going to be the FBA item. So you always want to reprice off the lowest Merchant Fulfilled. Um, and you have a different template in your repricer for Merchant Fulfilled items. And it's always the lowest current price. And that does take your shipping into consideration. So Merchant Fulfilled is always the lowest price. So when people hit see other offers, you're the lowest one, and that's the one they usually buy when they're searching for merchant fulfilled items. They've done a lot of branding this year. Isn't like new called perfect or some silly I, they, they mess with those condition notes every single month, and it's always something else. My item's in perfect condition. <laughs> All right, moving along here. Josh is back again with another question. He says, do you see yourself scaling up your business, or do you want to stay at your current volume profit you already have? Um, I'll let you go first. I mean, I kind of hinted at this in an earlier question. I'm looking to go up on my ASP, average sale price, for those who don't know acronyms. Um, but I need to also have the same STR, your sell-through rate. So I want both, and I'm working on getting better sources and exploring some online avenues in order to accomplish that goal. Because <laughs> I'm the, pardon me, I'm the buy-it-all guy, right? I'll list it all and I'll sell it all. That's fine. Um, but that is a very long grind, and I work really hard to do that grind, and I'm trying to adjust a little bit more toward, okay, I built up my store big enough now, I have enough volume, where I can focus a little bit more on the quality of what I'm injecting in my, my store. 
because of the volume, I'm able to do my multi-quantity buys and keep my customers buying 2, 4, 8, 12. Yay. I know how to keep them happy. But I like to appeal to another kind of buyer. Hey, I just made some money. I like to appeal to another kind of buyer that wouldn't mind paying 30, 35, 50, 100 dollars plus books. That's not to say I don't have some of those in my store. I just would like more of them into my store. Because having the best of both worlds, I think, is the main goal for myself. Um and I will let you go now. I it's one of those things, right? Amazon's a, a different I don't want a warehouse looking like the one behind me, right? So when I have a house, I'm perfectly fine with having one bedroom be my reselling space for media. Um, that'll kind of be my max. I don't ever plan on buying Gaylords of media to kind of scale up that way. I always want to, if I can, I realize I always rather be picky than take everything because I don't have the space. I don't have an employee like Johnny B does. So I, if I could scale up, you know, that'd be great. But at some point I'm going to max out, right? There's only so much one person can do. And yet again, it comes down to, uh, it's kind of like a loaded question, right? Because I wouldn't have to scale up. Like I could stay where I'm at and live comfortably, but for somebody else, you know, maybe your expenses are different, things like that, you know, maybe you have different, you know, bills or something coming in. It's a, it's a different question for me. I could scale up. I'd be fine with it, but I don't want to live a miserable life. If that means scaling up, I guess that's kind of my big trade-off is I'm fine with where I'm at. If I scale up, you know, if for somehow I make, you know, 200, sell 200K on Amazon in a year and it doesn't require me, you know, being miserable for the year, I'm perfectly fine with that. But with where I'm at now, I'm happy. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. And I don't feel like I'm burning myself out. And I kind of value my burnout more than I do scaling up, I guess. Well, here's some numbers for you. And I, the reason I'm being a little bit transparent with them is because I was transparent in daily refinement groups. So the information's already out there. So uh, in my current model, I would have to, List and sell 1,200 items a day to get to my end goal dollar amount wise, um, and that's 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 my retirement dollar number. And that money in the bank, that's a lot of listings, and that's over a 10 year period. If I wanted to do it in 10 years, now if I wanted to do it longer, that number would decrease. 1,200, 1,200 is a lot of daily listings. Um, so I got to adjust my model to lower that number. I'd like that number lower. And that's all doable. And I don't even need software. I need people to do it. I could I could run a full shop like he's talking about, which was my plan all along. But maybe I want less people. Maybe I sell a little bit smarter. I mean, keep in mind, folks, I've been doing this a little over a year. I'm still a newbie, quote unquote, but I know a thing or two. And I'll admit when I need to adjust myself or make a mistake, which I'm doing so now to all you lovely people listening. Next question. Next question we have can you sell restricted books on ebay from the cool art again yes 100 a lot of people go that route if you're an amazon seller and you're restricted you can sell it on ebay that's the route i would go but for me i have an ebay store i understand how it works so if you don't have an ebay store i wouldn't recommend opening a store just to sell your restricted item i would do a buyback um, you can do a buyback company or you know just commission with somebody you know Companies like Restricted Inventory, it's just going to take a little bit longer to get your money back versus you selling it yourself on eBay. Now, keep in mind, even on eBay, they use something similar. They just use different terminology like Vero's or you'll get a lovely letter email saying, hey, we don't want you selling our stuff. Um, and they have a their version of Restricted List on their Vero thing where you can look at them. There's a lot, even in the book category. They don't make it easy, but you can pick up if you've been in the book game a while, oh, this I, I see this book company on here. I, okay, fine. Thanks, eBay. 
So just keep that in mind when you're moving or you're restricted from Amazon to eBay. Just make sure it's not also not allowed on eBay because it'll let you list it. But then you'll get punished for it if they catch it. All right, we're coming down to the uh, the final stretch here. We got three more questions left. Miss Lachey asks, who has higher fees, eBay or Amazon? Do you have an eBay calculator you can pull up? Yeah. All right, uh, we're, we're going to do this live here. And, uh, you want to share gonna... my screen? or No, no, no. I'm just, I have the Amazon one pulled up. I have a book. Uh, let me know when you're ready for the information. I'm ready for the information, and I'll have some questions. But go okay, ahead. we're gonna sell the book for nine ninety nine. Okay. Uh, free shipping on your side. Okay. Item cost. Uh, you got it for free. Free. All right. Zero. And it is gonna be one and a half pounds. Okay. So four twenty. Um. So. How much do you get after fees on eBay for a 990 bulk free shipping that weighs a pound and a half? Well, here are my questions. Do I have an eBay store? Yeah. Well, just your starter store. Yeah. Okay. Am I top rated? Mm, yeah, sure. And am I running promoted ads or not? Promoted listing fee? Uh, pretty much you got to run promoted on eBay. So I would say yes. We'll just say 10%. All right. I'm going to make $3.15. Okay, the same book, Amazon FBA. Um, it's a normal size book too, you know, 10 by 7 by 2 inches. So it's a normal size book. You sell that at $9.99, Amazon FBA, you would make 95 cents. So the answer is eBay wins. And that's with a promoted listing of 10%. So yeah. um, the Amazon FBA, you make under a buck. And like that's before buy costs or anything. So if you're paying and a dollar... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and chipping it in. So uh, eBay is the clear winner when it comes to fees. I think even if we scale that up, it still would be the same way. I think you would make more on eBay, but eBay takes more work. So the fees are definitely higher on Amazon and they're only going to continue to go up. So that's kind of, you know, the situation where a lot of us FBA sellers are in trying to figure out what the next step is to stay ahead of fee increases on Amazon. Sure, if eBay raised their promoted to you got to be at least three percent who cares right you know johnny b and he talked me into it you should be promoting all your stuff at 10 percent anyway so um, yeah at least 10 all right amazon fees are higher miss lachey uh, if you come to this dark side just be prepared that the dark side has a very expensive cover charge to get into the club miss <laughs> lachey you ask a lot of good questions you should join our weekly call <laughs> we, we should have our own i should just get like you know all my ebay youtubers that i follow and have them all on one call i can ask mel from back from burnout i see her every now and then so all right next one last well two more why is it that nearly every book I scan is restricted? Is Amazon gating books now? I want to have Amazon reselling business, but how can I when everything is either gated or restricted? I will answer this one for you. Yes, Amazon, if you're a brand new seller now, puts basically everything behind the gate, right? They don't want Johnny B, who has no clue what he's doing, to be able to come onto the platform and sell anything at any given price that's not customer friendly to them. And they only care about the customers, right? You as a seller... You're, you're whatever to them. You don't matter. You just pay all their bills, basically. So they they put you behind these gates initially. But over time, especially if you're new, as you start to send stuff in and as you start to request approval on these books, you're going to get automatically approved. And I've actually been seeing this more. A lot of people have been kind of pushed off because they sign up and everything's gated. Well, 
that's just the reality of it. It's not the Wild West that it used to be. They kind of want to instill some trust in their sellers and some kind of, you know, you got to prove yourself basically to be able to sell these other things, but don't let it deter you. You know, the, the trouble is worth the payoff at the end of the road. So you just keep going, send in what you can send in, maybe get on gated and DVDs and CDs. So you don't have to worry about gates, although you still run into them, but don't let it deter you. Um, but Amazon is making it harder and harder for new sellers. All right, moving on here. Oh man, this one, Thomas, he wrote us like a whole paragraph here. So you're going to give me a minute here to read for this. Last, huh? yep. right. Thomas has been around. He's got the 12 month member badge. What an OG here. So capital question, money is tight and I'm trying to get my inventory up. Thrift stores and bulk buys only really give me $5 profit books, but payouts are not enough with those books. I've been transitioning more into OA books and offer up deals for higher margin books. Should I take the lower inventory for the higher dollar or chase lots of inventory for the lower profit? Sourcing online and offer up has its pros as I can work mostly from home and I score higher margin books with a higher buy cost, of course. But sourcing bulk buys in thrift stores has the volume aspect, therefore more sales and cheaper books. Would love your opinion on this, whether I should keep rolling my dollars into higher margin books or keep investing in low-cost inventory that will make me less. Thanks again. Subscribe to the used book guy. P.S. My inventory is at about four fifty right now. <laughs> I mean, you want to start, or you want me to? Uh, I guess I'll go first since right. it's the last one, and then I'll wrap it up after you're done. Um, I think it's a lifestyle choice, honestly. Right? Uh, everybody has different circumstances. If I didn't have, you know, the amount of sources I had or the relationships I had, then 100% I would dabble in, you know, the Amazon to Amazon, the eBay to Amazon flips because it, I could still have a profitable business. But like you said, it just costs more money. And it's tough kind of having both, right? Because you're used to going in and paying 50 cents for a book, right? Well, when you're doing online arbitrage, all of a sudden that 50 cents might be $20 you're paying for a book. So it's like a mindset switch. You got to be able to flip on and off if you're juggling both. But you have to, you know, what what works better for you? Do you do you value your time more? Do you do you you don't mind going out to thrift stores? Maybe going to thrift stores is like the part that really you enjoy, right? Maybe it's not all about just the higher margins. Maybe it's be, being out, being active, going out, maybe finding something for yourself. Uh, maybe finding something that isn't media to sell, or maybe you collect some kind of stuff that you look for when you're out in the thrift store. I think it really, I don't think there's a wrong answer or a right answer with this. I think it's just a personal choice of what you want your business to look like. And I do think you can mix both, but I would just, you know, word of caution is you, you just got to balance both, right? If you're going to have both, don't expect to get the the highest results from either or because your time is split. You're not dedicating all your time to this one or that one. So you got to expect to kind of get 50% results from both of them instead of getting 100% and 0% because you're only focusing on one of them. So there are multiple business models. And here's the fun part. As Mike just mentioned, they all work and it is a lifestyle choice. They really do. So you can go um, low margin, high volume. That model works. You can go high volume, high margin. That also works. Um, you can get, but I'm trying, here's, here's what I'm trying to transition to. High volume, high margin. That's where I'd like to be because I know how to list a lot, but I learned it on the low margin, faster turnover books. The higher margin you go, the less frequently they will sell, at least on eBay. But when they sell, it's a lot of money. Yay. Uh, Caleb from Antique Books, he does that model specifically. 
Uh, I think he has a minimum threshold of it's not coming in my store unless it's worth forty dollars or more. However, he's publicly transparent with it. He does he taps into what I do. He sells some paperbacks too, uh, with his Christian fiction stuff because they have a faster turnover for him, um, and that keeps the sales steady. So I think it's a balancing act now and very much a lifestyle choice. What I do is a bit of a grind, and I'm trying to grind less because I ain't getting any younger. I got some gray in this handsome beard I got over here. Um, my back don't work as well as it used to kind of deal. Mike's been going up and down three flights of stairs once upon a time. He ain't getting any younger either. So I think the low margin, fast turnover is very much a young gentleman's game. Um, you can get away with that. You can hustle and grind. But as you start to creep up there, you going to be doing this when you're 80 years old? question mark no um even if you got a fleet of employees that's a that's a rough racket so i think figuring out what you want to do business-wise even if you start in one and transition to the other because i learned a lot doing what i do uh and i'm still learning um always always be learning always be educating always be transitioning always be pivoting and always be willing to adjust people that get set in their ways they never adjust because they think they know better. They're going to go out of business one day. Um, just how it is. Even if you're at the top of your field, you know it all, right? Do you? You're at the top. There's always another thing to know, even if you're at the top of your field. There's always an extra mile to go. I um, I, th I think you hit it right on the head. It's like, I, th I think you can have both. You ha you still you're still gonna have to favor one or the other. I don't think there's no such thing as a 50-50 split, right? You can't do everything. You can't give eBay the same effort you give Amazon. It's just unrealistic because deep down, right? You you prefer one way or the other. I mean, it's just one of those things. You just gotta sit down and say, well, what what do I get more enjoyment out of? And yes, you're buying the stuff. And I said it earlier, if you know if you're getting a low profit stuff, just leverage the buyback companies. If you enjoy doing OA more, say hey. I'm going to get the, I'm still going to do bulk buys. I'm still going to make money. You'll still get the big hits, right? That you can send in yourself, but you're not going to have as much of it. And then everything else goes to buyback company. So that kind of makes it almost foolproof. And then you can focus on the OA, but you still have the fun of going out, doing bulk buys, doing thrifting here and there. If you're going to do it the other way, I would say, hey, send in everything you can that's going to make you the money volume wise. And then you say, all right, well, I'm going to set a hundred dollars aside for online arbitrage for this week. And then you spend a hundred dollars and then you see where you can take your hundred dollars and kind of grow that hundred dollars into an online arbitrage business, just kind of maybe four hours a week, six hours a week, something like that. So there is ways you can do it, but either way, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take a side. Unfortunately, uh, you're going to enjoy one more than the other. And that's perfectly fine. But if you, if you have both, and you want to keep both, or maybe you prefer, you know, one compared to the other, and you want to have them both, make the other one you don't enjoy as much, as painless as possible, like I do with eBay. It exists. I take my eBay money, it turns into Amazon money, but my eBay life is not Johnny B's eBay life. I do it once a week, draft it out, and I wash my hands of it. And that's why eBay still exists for me. I wouldn't do it otherwise. Right. Like for me, here's my thing. I like to get a $20 bill. I'm not doing this right now, but I like to get a $20 bill from every sale on eBay. That'd be great. However, I know the kind of coupon I run. It's a buy two, get two. So I don't need every item to sell for $20. So that brings my listed number down. Um, I think I'm around $20 listed price, which is you're not clearing 20 on eBay. If you sell it for 20, you're not. 
Um, but that's a lot better margin than what I'm dealing with right now with my high STR, low margin stuff. Um, and I, I think, again, all, all business models work here, folks. It's, and it's a great question. Um, I would say age is a factor to do with it. If you're 70, I wouldn't do what I do. No, don't do that, man. You, you could do better. Go, go higher tier kind of thing. Um, my thing on that, at least in eBay land, is how to get those frequently. That's that's my exploratory mission this year is how do I get them frequently? Um, or how do I get a lot of silver items with high STR? I don't mind silver items going to my stores. The bronze items I do. They're, yeah. See what I can do with them. See if I can sell them. You have to have a way to get rid of the, the bronze item somehow, some way. Even if it's a buyback program, even if you got an antique mall and you just shove it in your assigned square footage, you run a garage sale, you run a church rummage sale if you're in networks with a church or something. Um, you got to figure out a way to get rid of those bronze items somehow, some way. And if your model is to list those items on eBay and see what shakes, more power to you. Just be prepared for a grind. I, I do... I to kind of capitalize on what you're saying. I one thing I do think is heavily 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 underutilized in all of reselling is partnering with other resellers to move stuff that doesn't have a worth to you but does to them and vice versa. Kind of like, you know, how I send you all the paperbacks that I would literally, you know, burn their own to you. It's junk. And just like we were talking about for the call, I have a guy coming to get my junk. What Johnny B has junk blast. No, I do. I have a junk pile. So yeah, like if you're if you want to do volume and focus on OA, then have a Johnny B, right? Find somebody. I mean, you've been in the group for a year now, so you know you can reach out to anybody and be like, Hey, here's here's what I have extra. Are you interested in taking them off my hands? And you would be surprised. Uh, the people in the group, you know, I give away basically my my disc and all my paperbacks to you and just partner up with somebody so you don't have to deal with it because that's when you get overwhelmed. If you do, you know, want to continue bulk buys, it's just the sheer volume of staring at all of the stuff, all of your duds, um, but your duds are not necessarily their duds. Right. And I got some, I'm pretty sure I got some greens in my junk pile that are garbage in eBay land. They are not going for Amazon dollars in eBay and they're going for like four bucks. Oh, that's why eBay to Amazon flips is so proper. Yeah, because it exists. It's there. Um, yeah, like Reader's Digest and Time Life. That's junk for me. I'm not, I do not want to put that in my store. It's junk, junk, junk. Yeah. All right. As always, we appreciate everybody listening and watching if you're over on the YouTube. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.